You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. Well, I want you to get your Bibles out. I want you to get your Bibles out. I want you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. It's a good place to start, isn't it? Ryan wasn't kidding. We are talking about Jesus today. I mean, we always talk about Jesus, right? We always talk about his lordship. We always talk about his plan. We, all, we always talk about But today we're going to deal with the person of Jesus and making sure that you, that I, are all on the same page, that we can completely, thoroughly be able to explain and, and define who he was as a man and as God. Is that all right? So it's going to take a bit. It's going to take a little bit. I'm just being honest with you. We've got some work to do. All right? I hope you brought snacks. One of these days, we might even bring back donuts and and all that stuff, we're probably not, probably not ever. I don't know. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll just have individually wrapped donuts. I think that's the new thing, right? Everything is just going to be individually wrapped, right? Individually wrapped donuts, individually wrapped like, like Pez. So like each Pez will be individual. So like you can still share, but it's like in plastic, right? Right? Pez is a big deal in our household. Anyway. Are you guys there? John chapter what? That's a good one. It's a good place to start. Let's pray before we jump into this. Can I ask you to do something for me real quick? Can you just go before God right now, whether you're at home or whether you're in this building? Can you just go before God right now and just kind of just pray along these lines before I lead us? Pray along the lines of, Father, I want to see you. I want to see you. I don't want to just have a head knowledge of you. I want to see you. Because there is a massive difference between knowing who he is and seeing who he is. Come on, just take a moment. Thank you, Father. Father, we don't take this lightly today or or any day. Gathering together in a community, gathered together over the one thing that holds us all together, and that is that we are all saved through the person of Jesus Christ. That's the binding agent in this house. That is the binding agent that is at the centerpiece of why we all gather here, Father, and so we don't take it lightly. Father, today as we gather over and we begin to just even kind of stir up just some knowledge of who you are. Father, let our ears be open, our hearts be receptive. Let let us be able to to not just let this kind of roll over us as information, but it, it literally lands in our hearts and changes us forever. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for it. And as we see you, let us be changed forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, can, I, can you bring this over here? I apologize, Ryan. Thank you. So I, I'm asking, I asked Ryan to bring me out this ladder. 
Because I think it's just one of the easiest ways. Thanks, buddy. I think it's one of the easiest ways to kind of talk about what we've been talking about. And if you haven't been here for a bit, number one, it's good to have you back. We've been praying for you. We know you've been backslidden, so it's good to have you back. We say, I mean, we, we know. We know you've been out in the wilderness. It's okay. God loves you. Loves you. Listen, we're not a perfect church. We've got to have something to talk about, right? Come on now. But if you haven't been here, in the last couple of weeks, we started something right after Easter, and we started basically going over what we believe, what we believe as a church. And what we're doing is, is we're making sure, we are making sure that we can define that you as a member, not just of the Big C Church, but of this house, that you know what we stand on is doctrine, right? And whether you know it or not, prior to church, you had a doctrine that you lived by. And then coming to Christ, a new doctrine should be replacing that old way of thinking, that old way of life, the old truths you used to stand on. But we need to make sure that we actually know what those truths are, right? And so these next handful of weeks, we're going to be going over these things. And we started back uh, a couple of weeks ago with the authority of God, meaning that's where everything starts. We talked about the authority of God and that all things are from him. And then last week, we talked about the word of God and, and seeing the validity of the word, seeing the, the truth and how we can stand on it, not just as a book, but as the inspired, infallible, spoken word of the Father God, the creator of the universe, right? And so this week, what we're going to pick up on and where we're going to kind of, kind of keep going on this is, is one of the foundations. And then you might sit there and say, well, well, obviously this is a foundation of the church, but this is kind of a big one. And it's kind of a big one that we can all explain this and be able to, to have a comprehensive understanding that when we say that we are followers of who? I'm sorry, who? Jesus, Right? We follow Jesus, right, the Christ, the Messiah. We follow him, right, because he made a way for us to be in right standing with the Father God. Are you following me on this? But if we say that we are followers of his, then we better be able to explain in some detail with some understanding. Now, you might not be able to explain all things that Christ is, everything, what he's done for you. I still can't explain forgiveness other than I'm a beneficiary of it. I can't explain that. But I better be able to understand or explain my views and what the Bible teaches on who Jesus is because it's kind of important, right? And if you don't have a clear understanding of who Jesus is, the man and God as Jesus, then you will be confusing when those ask you who you follow. Are you following me on this? So this is why we're doing this. So last two weeks ago, we started with what? The what? The authority of Come on. Oh, come on now. The authority of God. Here we go, because I need you guys with me on this today. And we stated that all things, and biblically we stated that all things come from God. God was before anything was. And all things that are now are created through God. Meaning that if God was the creator, if God is the creator, then he has rights to it. Meaning everything that is created, if God is here, and this is a biblical worldview, if God is here, then all things, when he said, let there be, and all things were, and me as a child, and me as a created being, he has rights to those things, right? 
So he, because he created the game, because he started the process, he has rights and is able to define everything that flows from it. Okay? Then last week we got into the fact that not only is he a creator that started all of this from the beginning, he was also a creator that said, I'm also going to be known. Right? And that's why he gave us the word. He gave us the word of God or the thing that's in your hand. Everybody hold it up. Say, this is my Bible. No, I'm sorry, that was somebody else. This is my his, it's history coming out of me. Uh, you, you, the reason why you have that Bible is not so that you can have a roadmap to your life, but it is a, it, that word right there is so that the creator of the universe can be revealed to creation. You follow me on this? And so we talked about that. And now what we're getting into is, is part of what God created and part of his plan through the brokenness because we know somewhere along the way things were broken. We know that through one man. It says that in Romans 3, I think. Romans 3, were through one man things were broken. But then now we're going to talk about the one man now that has come to fix and to restore that which was broken. We're going to talk about how, who he was and define who he was. So, so let's do this real quick. Let's go real elementary. Let's go real felt board. And where did I tell you to go? John chapter 1. Let's start in verse 1. Will you put that up there? Thanks, buddy. Because we need to see this. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the... Word and the word was with God, and the word was God. You can, he was with God in the beginning. Well, you can, can you put up more than one verse? I don't know if you can or not, just to make it you can't, that's fine. And through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing that was made has been made. Now, follow me on this. We need to back up for a second. Go back to verse one because I need you to see this. You need to define this and see this clearly who Jesus is. Because if you've read John, you know what's coming. And the word became what? Flesh. flesh. The word became flesh, meaning that Jesus is the word. That he now the word has gone from being in the beginning to now manifested into flesh. But I need you to see something here. Come on, this is felt board stuff, but don't make this into just information. You need to see this. Jesus is not part of creation. Do you hear what I just said? Meaning, he is not created. Meaning that he is not somebody that was not in the beginning. But because he was in the beginning, because he started up here, are you following me on this? Because he was in this in the beginning, because he was here, then that means he has the same rights the same authority, right? The same, the, he, it's the, he was a part of defining everything. So what I need you to see is, is Jesus wasn't something that the creator thought of along the way. You follow me on this? This is a big deal. All of this is laying a foundation for you to understand why this is a big deal for you to see this. Jesus was not an afterthought of God the Father. He was in the beginning. You follow me on this? Go to verse 2. He was with God in the beginning. Go to verse 3. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Go to verse 4. 
In him was life, and the life was all, was the, I'm sorry, in him was life, and in that life was the light of all mankind. I need you to see this. I need you to understand clearly that it, if you do not see this and grab this as an understanding, that Jesus was in the beginning, that you will dismiss him or it will be easy down the road to see him as an afterthought. But when you see him as part of creation, as part of being in the beginning, all of a sudden now it adds authority to what he's about to do and to what he's about to say. Are you following me on that? Okay, let's keep going. Sorry, I didn't have my glasses on. If I'm up on that ladder with glasses on, it's not good. It's not good. The ground starts creeping up on me. I, it's not good. But so let's look at this. I want you to see this. We need to define this. We need to understand that Jesus was not, was, we know that the word became flesh in the form of Jesus, right? Right? So there's three parts. We know this. There's God the Father. God the Father did not become Jesus in empty heaven. The Holy Spirit did not become the Son. It was Jesus was the Word became flesh. But you need to understand this. In him becoming flesh, he did not lose any attributes of being fully God. You follow me on this? This is a big deal. Because some of us have this understanding because, yes, God became man and lost being God, right? Like, like at some point, he gave up his divinity. He gave up who he was. And so somehow now he is man and no longer God. He does some God-like things, but he's not really God. The reality of it is, is Jesus, the word becoming flesh, all the authority, he never gave up any of his divinity in being a man. Are you following me on this? But yet was also fully man. Let's look at that real quick. And we're just going to blast through some of these because I, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. And we see this that the Bible, that, that Jesus is not merely someone who is a lot like God or someone who has very close walk with God, meaning that he wasn't just some created being. Why is this so important? Because Jesus is not another David. Jesus is not like Moses. Jesus is not like Abraham. Jesus is not like John the Baptist. Jesus is not like Paul. He is not created. Creation cannot fix creation. Follow me on that? I want you to see this. He, we're, I want you to just see some of these attributes. We're going to just blaze through this, that he never lost his divinity, meaning him being all God while yet all, still being all man. He knows everything, and, and if you're a note-taker, I'm going to say these fast. You can listen to them later. He knows everything, meaning he has is, he is all the understanding of everything. You see this in Matthew 16, 21, Luke 11, 17. He's everywhere, meaning that, that Jesus had the ability, even being all man and all God, he had the ability to not only be in one place, he still had the knowledge of everything that was going on around him. Uh, he has all power. We see that in Matthew chapter 8, uh, 26. My goodness, there are, there are a million places. We see that, that Jesus has all the power over creation, that meaning everything in creation submits to him. When he speaks to waves, they stand still. When he speaks to the wind, it settles. When he speaks to creation in fig trees, they can either grow or die. We see all of this. Are you following me on that? I need you to see this. 
He was dependent on nothing outside of himself. Just like God, there was nothing that Jesus lacked. He never began to exist and never will cease to exist. And that's a big deal. Jesus was in the beginning. He was not created and he will not go away. Okay? And he's our creator. We see that obviously in Genesis. In other words, everything that is God, Jesus is for us. Meaning everything that, that God is, Jesus is in human flesh. Now, on the second part of that, we need to see this. Not only was Jesus not only fully God, he was also fully man. He was also, did not lose any part of his humanity, meaning that he was flesh and blood just like you, right? He, he, even though he was all God and had all the attributes of God and everything that was in him is God, he was yet still all man. We know this. He hungered in the desert, right? Right? He wept, right? So he had emotions, right? He, he had emotions when it came to, uh, when, when, when Lazarus died, it says that Jesus wept. We know that he even had astoundment. When he saw the faith of believers, there was an astonishment of people's faith. Meaning he even, it was just, he was even had the emotion of surprise, of like, wow, that's amazing, right? We know all of these things. We know that, that, that there was tired. He had to go take naps. He had to get away, right? He had to go settle himself. He had to go and get away and rest before he was doing something. So even in being all God... He was yet all man, meaning he understands. And why is that a big deal? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 4. Are you still with me today? We're going somewhere. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 15, says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize, I'm sorry, empathize, thank you, babe, with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So being, so, so the reason why it's important to understand that we have, that, that Jesus was all man, then we have an understanding that the one that we follow after and the one he's the one that's requiring of us understands everything that we're going through yet because he was all God he did those actions without sin. Are you following me on this? Okay. We, we have to lay this foundation. Why? And, and, and we're getting there. I know most of you right now are your I, I don't want you to check out. I'm a little concerned that you might check out on these attributes of going, yeah, I get it. Jesus was in the beginning. Yeah, I get it. He was the word that became flesh. As if that's just something flippant to say. Like, right? Like, like you've, you're just kind of over that fact. Like the word that spoke light into being is now walking amongst us. And that's obviously lost it. It's no more longer a big deal to you. The word now has become flesh and yet in becoming flesh, he is still God, yet he is all of humanity. Meaning he understands, he understands the existence and the experience of creation. Okay? Now, we see this, and I, I need you to see this. Uh, um, there is so much in this, and I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to run down roads that we, that we don't need to be on. 
So why? Go to Romans chapter 5. So why in the world? So if we understand who he is, right? And we kind of glaze over that or we kind of say that we have an understanding. Why in the world... Why did God have to come? Why did the Word, part of the Godhead, have to then become manifested into human form, right? And then do what He did. Why did He have to come? It's one thing to understand who He is. He is all God, all man. He was in the beginning, and He'll be, He was before, He is during, and He is after. He is not created. It's one thing to understand that. But it's another thing to understand why. What was the purpose of why he came? Now, most of you would say, and you would be partially right on this, that he came, why? Because we are broken. I've met you. You've met me. Right? On our best days, we're messed up. Right? And then the reality of it is, is, is there had to be a reason why. Why did he have to come? Now, I ask you this question. Why could, if God was the creator of the universe and God created all of this, why couldn't he have just ignored the sin and just kind of turned his back on it and been like, you know what, no big deal. Let's just start from here and go on. Like, why, why couldn't God do that? Why did Jesus actually have to come in flesh and do something? Well, I'm glad you asked. For God to remain a righteous God, he could not turn his back on a debt that had to be paid. You feel me on this? So God, to remain, because it would have been easier to just go, nah, whatever, okay, there, it's fine, it's fine. But the second God would have just dismissed our sin, right? Dismiss the brokenness of creation. He loses the attribute, attribute of being righteous. So one of the reasons that Jesus had to come was for the Father to remain righteous. So Jesus, not only did he come for our righteousness sake, but also to remain and to keep the way that God designed this thing in order. You follow me on that? It's kind of a big deal. But let's talk about our experience. Let's talk about why he had to come for us. I want you to go to Romans. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse, where did I tell you to go? I didn't? Well, you should know that then. then. Romans chapter 5, uh, let's go to uh, 18 and 19. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 18 and 19, says this, consequently, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, right? We know that in creation, creation was broken through one man's sin, and then that produced sin through the rest of creation, right? For all people. So all one righteous act resulted in justification, meaning that Jesus had to come. There had to be a payment. There had to be something ultimately that could remove. And it couldn't be through creation. It couldn't. Creation cannot fix creation. For just as through dis the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obe obedience of the one man, they may, uh, the many will be made righteous. Now I want you to go to Romans chapter 3. 
I'm telling you, we're jumping around a little bit. I need you to stick with me. Romans chapter 3. So why does Jesus have to come? If we have a biblical worldview and we have an understanding that God created all and we are a created being and that sin is in the world, not through God, but in the plan, the plan was broken through one man and sin is now entered, then that means at our very root is what? Sin, right? Do you see, look at this precious little baby right here. I love doing this. I love doing this. You see this precious little baby? See this beautiful? Look at this little baby. You see this? Can you hold the baby up? You see this? You see this? You know what's in this child? Sin. Oh, I know. How dare you? How dare you, Pastor Chris? How dare you say that about? No, there is darkness in this baby. I'm telling you, you have no idea. Guess what? You're never going to have to teach this baby to lie. You're never going to have to teach this baby how to say, mine, mine, right? It's just going to be known, right? Because he's going to learn it from that guy, right? (laughs) Right? He's going to see it in that one, right? Go on now. Are you following me on this? What I'm saying, can I let go now? Thank you. Can Can I have this back? Let me, oh, thank you. When we have a biblical worldview and we understand that there is sin in the hearts of man, that's kind of a big deal because you and I and that little baby are not innately good and we just need to get better, right? At our very root is a brokenness of sin. Yes, even in your great auntie, even in your beautiful little grandma who was always great and made you cookies, right? Even in your your neighbor who who mows your yard for you, even in them, wickedness, brokenness to their very core. Meaning no matter what we think, No matter what we view as good, there is nobody, not one. And in fact, it's going to say this in Romans. I told you to go there. Oh, this is such a a beautiful passage. I just, I read this over my children at night. It says this, what shall we conclude then? Starting in verse 9. Do we have any advantage? This is Paul talking about Jews and Gentiles. Let's jump down to verse 10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is in their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Good night, little boys. That's how we close our, that's, uh, that's, how we, that's our bedtime story every night. In the Taylor household. What I'm saying and why I'm reading that to you is because you have to have a full understanding. If you have a biblical worldview, then you need to make sure that you never get so far from the position that you are not good. Did you hear what I just said? 
If you get so far away from thinking, well, maybe I am just good, then you've negated everything that Jesus is, everything that Jesus was, and everything that you say you follow after. Because if you are innately good, and if you are internally good, and you just need to get better, then Jesus has no purpose for you. Are you following me on this? Then what he did in the beginning, and what he says we are is now failing, and now our position, he, he becomes useless to us. If I don't see myself as broken, if I don't see myself as is being the one that if left to myself, my mouth is like an empty grave. It just speaks death. How many of you ever just gotten into yourself a bit and just kind of let your mouth run and, and what comes out of you isn't beauty. It's not blessing. It's not peace. It's just, it's just destruction. Huh? How many of you ever, how many of you ever just let yourself go on somebody that really deserved it? You know what I mean? You're just like, and you're like, wow, I really didn't bless them with that. You know what I mean? Like what comes out, like when you want to give it to somebody, what comes out of you is not blessing. What comes out of you is not building and life bringing. But what comes out of you is, is, is I'm just, I'm going to turn you down. Right? I mean, that is the way of all self. We are the, when left to ourselves, right, we need to tear others down to feel like we are protecting ourselves. I got to tear other people down. I got to bring other people down because if I keep bringing them down, then I'm at least ahead in this game. And if I, I'll just be better. I'm, well, at least I'm not like them. And at least I'm not like them. And at least I'm not like them. That's an open grave. Because that's not the recognizing of the fact that, wait a second, it says in the Bible, no, not one is righteous. So why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? To just make you that is already good better? Right? To take you from being just a morally good guy to a really morally good guy? Right? To take you from being an okay husband to a great husband. To take you from a really good employee to, a, to a, a great employee, right? Or to take you from being a daughter or son, and man, now you're just, ding, ding, right? You just, you just shine like everybody, right? Oh, you're so good. That's why Jesus came, because I'm innately good. No, Jesus came because even on my best day, even on your best day, even on that little baby, that beautiful little baby's best day, at our very root, there is something innately broken in us. And something had to be fixed. And it could only be fixed if creation can't fix creation, meaning if I can't fix myself, or if David couldn't fix me, or if Abraham couldn't fix me, or if Moses couldn't fix me, and Paul couldn't fix me, somebody had to come and fix me. And so it took, it took the Creator coming in the form of creation to fully understand the experience of creation, but remaining able to be completely above the sin of that broken creation so that it could die for the broken creation and redeem it. You follow me on this? Everybody getting this? Okay. Now I want to leave you with this. 
because I want to, because I, I'm concerned of, like I, I've given you a lot of information and most of you would go, man, I know this, but why as a believer, why as a churchgoer is this important? Why is it under, why is it so important that Julie understands and can be able to describe and define who Jesus is? Why is it so important? Why is it important for Mike to not be confusing to the world when he talks about just saying, yeah, I'm a churchgoer, I, I follow Jesus, and when somebody asks him about who that is, Mike can actually say, why is that important? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because every other religion out there, let's just deal with this. Every other religion out there, right, starts this way, or this is the pattern. Whoever their God is, is here. You follow me on this? Creation is down there. And their job is to work from there to here. Come on, get better. There might even be a book. There might be even be some instructions. There might even be a holy man that they follow after. But the whole goal is you get from there and get to me. Right? That is you were bad, now be better and do acts of being better and maybe that will eventually get you to me. Follow me on this? And if we are not careful, follow me on this, if we are not careful and if we do not understand who Jesus is and why he came, then we will just turn Jesus into somebody that, oh yeah, we believe he came, we believe he died, but really what we've turned him into is just somebody that comes alongside of us and goes, come on, you can do it, climb that ladder, get to him, be better, go to church, read your Bible, pray to me, that'll get you there. We turn Jesus into a cheerleader that he came to cheerlead you from being bad to being good. You follow me on this? And the reality is, is if that's what we're selling, well, then there's no good news at all. If that's what the church is saying, oh, oh, man, oh, you, you should come to church, man. Man, I was like this, but then I met this guy, Jesus, and he helped me be better. If that's our sales pitch, there's no good news. There is no good news in that. Well, and if maybe there's not even, maybe there's some good news, but it's the same news that everybody else is selling. Hey, do, hey, you want to get rich? Ooh, do this, follow this plan. I met this guy. He'll show you how to get rich. Oh, you want to you be a better this? You want to be a better dad or a better employee? Here, read this book. It'll help you be this. It'll help you be bad. This guy will come alongside you and teach you how to do that, and then you'll be better. When we sell Jesus in that vein, we are number one. Number one, it's, it's, it's anti-Bible. It's not biblical at all but it's also just white noise in the midst of the white noise of the cell. Have you ever been to Barnes & Noble? I know people don't go to Barnes & Noble anymore, but have you ever been to Barnes & Noble? Have you ever been to a bookstore? Have you ever gone to the self-help section? You see how big that is? Every, the self-help section, it's massive of just all of these books written, do this and be better, do this and be better. The only problem with all of those books is by the time I get done reading them, I'm still at the end of it and it's still dependent on me. And what did we realize? We realized that creation cannot fix creation. And even on your best day, you might be able to change some patterns 
Julie, you might be able to, I might be able to give you a book and you might be, some, be able to change. You know, I might, I, might give, I might give Julie a book on Dave Ramsey, right? And, and she can change her financial thing and, and her financial stuff turns around. She's no longer in debt and she's living good like that and all that stuff. But in the end of the day, it's still, all I've done is change the pattern. She's still got a core root. That at her root is that she is evil and broken. I mean, I love you, but I've also met you. If we sell Jesus as just, hey, come to church, and he'll make you better. He's just this great cheerleader. Man, we even sing songs about him. We sing these great songs, and, and, we, and, and, and he gets behind us, and he pushes. He gets, you know, like when we get tired, he, I can rest on him. And then he pushes me up. Okay, I'm almost there. Thank you, Jesus, for pushing me up. Oh, I'm doing, am I doing better? Am I, be, am I morally better than my neighbors? Am I morally better than those around? Am I finally in a position where I can look down on people and go, I'm better than you? Am I there yet? Am I there? Do I finally get to look at all those other sins and look at them and go, ha, 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 look where Jesus got me to? Am I there? There's no good news in that. And the reality of it is that we know, come on, the reality of it is we know that Jesus came not to come down to creation, to boost creation up or to give us a boost to get to the Father God. No, he said, he said you know what? There, he realized there's no way they're getting to me on their best day, on their most highest moral ground that they can stand on. On, their most, on, 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 on the day where they, they are better than every neighbor, they've joined every club, they know all the things to say. On their best day, they will not make it here. So what has to happen? God, in the beginning, the Word had to manifest and become flesh. Being all God, He did not sin. Being all man, He understood the position of creation. And he did not come down to boost us up. He came down to save us and redeem us and put us back into a right standing that only he could do. Are you following me on this? Guys, we have to make sure that we are describing who Jesus is in the manner of which how the Bible explains it to us. And not that he's just another good cheerleader out there like all the rest. Or not that he's just out there to, to boost you up and to make you better and to make you have better moral judgments and all that stuff. No, we need to, we need to make sure that we're... You need to understand, when I talk about Jesus, I need to talk about the fact that I did nothing. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I was broken and trapped. And God, in the beginning, made a way the word becoming manifested into a man. A man that is not just some creator that's far off or hidden behind a cloth or hidden behind up on a hill, but a man that can be seen in the person of Jesus. Giving me not only an example to follow after, but understanding he understands my experience. He understands being alone. He understands being in need. He understands being hungry. Are you following me on this? The good news of the gospel is not Jesus came to make you better. The good news of the gospel is, is you can't do anything about you being better, and yet he still came. 
That's the good news of the gospel. That's the Jesus that we follow. And if we're not careful, we could, sell, we could fill this room up with people. We could fill this room up with people. There could be, we could have to put out hundreds of more chairs. But if we've sold them the wrong Jesus, it would be better for us to be empty. Did you hear what I just said? This is kind of important. I, I need this to rest on you guys. I, I, as your pastor, as your friend, I'm about to beg you. I want you to go back, and I want you to, I want you to just, as, 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 if you, as if you come to Christ and the understanding of Jesus maybe for the first time, will you go back and just kind of get over these scriptures, get over these things and go, wait a second, I need to see him clearly. I need to see my position. I need to see why he came. Why? Because when I see that clearly, my goodness, shouldn't the message just roll off our tongue? Shouldn't just come out? But man, when Jesus just becomes another cheerleader, I can just go through my life and keep Jesus next to me and hope somebody else, yeah, I hope you get a cheerleader. I got mine. Did you get yours? I got mine. No, but when we see him as this, being before all, in all, and after all, doing something for me that didn't deserve it, this is why you had the church explode in the beginning. This is because they were like, how can we not talk? But they're going to kill you. I don't care. How can I not talk about this? How can I not talk about who he is to me? How can I not talk about what he's done for me? I don't care if they take my life. I, I got to talk about this. My fear is, is the reason why that the church has stopped talking about Jesus is we've lost perspective of who he is. We have to return back to seeing who he is. And then that will be the emphasis. That will be the catalyst to our message expanding again and not be confusing. Let me pray for us. Man, I hope you got this today. I hope this helps you today. Father God, I just thank you right now. Father, I thank you. <laughs> I thank you for having a plan before I even knew that I needed a plan. <laughs> thank you, Father. Father, I thank you so much that your son died for me, that I am, that I, I can't boast in anything about me, but I can just rest in knowing that my righteousness is not dependent on me, but because of what your son did for me. I'm so thankful for it. God, my prayer as the pastor of Freedom Church is that we as a people, as a community of believers, are not confusing to the world. That it may be, it just restore, as David would say, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Restore to us back why we're so excited about the message of the gospel. And at its center point is your son. Restore back that truth, that vision before us. And let it explode off our tongues for your glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody send, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.